get into the word of the Lord. And uh, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. If you have the Bible on your phone, if you have your physical Bible, if you have your Bible on any device, let's uh, go to Acts chapter 12. Does anybody ever ask themselves, what do I need to do? To be a better Christian. What, what do I need to do to get closer to Jesus? What do I need to do to change up what's going on in my life? Because sometimes, you know, uh, we have this routine that we follow. And, and, and just ask yourself the routine that I'm following. What, what, is it changing anything in my life regarding my relationship with God? The routine that I'm on, what is it doing for me? Is it changing anything? Because it's good to be disciplined and to have a good routine. But the question needs to be, is this routine making a difference? Is it is it pushing me closer to God? Is it giving me a, a deeper relationship with God, this routine that I follow every day? Every day when I wake up, the things that I do and when I go to my bed, every day, does that routine produce something that will make me get closer to God, that will give me a better relationship with God? we got to ask ourselves that. It's very important to ask ourselves that. And, and, and when you come to that place where you realize, you know what? No, this routine is good. It's a good thing. It's not bad. I'm not doing anything wrong. But, but, but how is it going to help me to get closer to God? You know, you know what they say? If if all you do is hold on, sooner or later you're going to let go. If all you do is hold on, sooner or later you're going to let go. So you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep growing. You have to keep moving. Look at, I can use myself as an example. If I don't keep on exercising, if I don't keep on uh, trying to every day get into the gym, guess what? Sooner or later I find myself doing less and less and find myself just being steady. And before you know it, you know, you start putting on those those pounds that you thought you lost, you know, a few months ago. So staying still and just holding on is never good. And when we go through our routine that we go through every day, every day, that's what we're doing. We have to change that routine. What they say, one of the best things about exercise, I learned this years ago and then my good brother confirmed it. The the best thing about exercise is always changing up and tricking the body and never doing the same things over and over. Because the body is so smart, it get adjusted to what you keep doing over and over. So you, you have to change up. And so it's the same thing in our relationship with God. We have to find ourselves changing up sometimes. We have to find ourselves saying, I need to do something different today. And again, I know we're good disciplined people and that's good. We need to be. But we have to figure out a way to say, all right, I need to change something up this day on, of the week and that day of the week just to keep you know, growing in God. Because we need to do those things to grow in God, to get closer to God. We can't let our society, the surrounding around us, get the best of us. We, we need to get ourselves closer to God. And so we're going to get into the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the expectancy of answered prayers. The expectancy of answered prayers. I, I, I really do believe this. 
that the way how we pray a lot of times kind of guide the way we live for God. The way how we pray guide the way we live for God. What do you mean by that? I think a lot of people have prayed just according to how they feel and what they see and what they think they should pray. And and when you don't get a good response from God or you never get a response from God, you kind of get discouraged. Because you're living for God and, and you're praying and you don't and he doesn't answer your prayers enough. So 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 when you're living for God and you feel like, you know, I, I talk to God, but he's not answering your prayers. It makes you discouraged. You don't have to tell me that, that, that but I'm telling you, I know that's true. Whatever you do, especially if you're a person that that's all about progress, forward movement, whatever you do when you're not experiencing progress, forward movement, after a while, you're questioning what you're doing. You have to question what you're doing unless you're a crazy person. Only crazy people do the same things over and over and over and over and, 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 and never get a different result and never question it. But if you're going to be a child of God, then you got to question why things are not moving forward and why when I pray and I and I seek God for certain things, I'm not getting a response. And and you can say it out loud to all of us, me and you both. I'm not taking myself out of it. We can say out loud, well, yeah, I'm praying, child. I'm praying. I'm praying. And 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 God will answer, you know, in His time. And and that's true according to God's word. But you still walk away discouraged. Don't lie on on yourself. You still walk away discouraged when you feel like, I've prayed and God didn't answer. You want something. But the question is, why didn't God answer it? And because God didn't answer, did I get to a place now where I don't even really expect God to answer my prayers? I just do it because, hey, it's what I do. Yeah, but you didn't tell that to nobody. That's just in your heart right now. That's just in your heart right now that, you know what, I, I, I pray, you know, because I know I'm supposed to pray. But, man, God haven't responded to one of my prayers in a long time. And I know God is real, but he's just not responding to me. And, and, and I don't know what's the problem. And that is easily that that can easily creep into any one of our hearts. And before we know, we kind of just eh, eh, then we wonder why we slow down on our, you know, going to church. It's because you're discouraged. It's because you're not seeing results that you think you should see. (laughs) Acts chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to do a lot of reading. We're going to read all the way up to verse 17. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Now understand this. You got to read carefully when you're going through the scriptures. Uh, There are Jews that had been converted into Christianity and believed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they were living for God. They were baptized in Jesus name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so they're, they're living for God. But there were still some Jews that didn't get converted. They were still holding to their Jewish tradition. All right. So when we read this, we got to realize that it's talking about the Jews that are holding to their Jewish tradition when it says, and because he saw it please 
the Jews. Those are the Jews that never got converted. Verse 4 says, and when he had apprehended him, talking about Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So they locked Peter up that after Easter, after Passover, they were going to bring him out and they were going to kill him. That's what's going on here. Peter had all kind of guards around him. So they have him now. Verse five says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayers was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. It says prayer was made without ceasing. Right. The church was praying for Peter constantly. Verse six. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. So the night before the day was coming where Peter would be killed. He was sleeping between two prisons. So they know that next day they're going to kill him. So guess what? The security is now tight, extra tight because the day is approaching. So let's make sure we don't lose him. Let's keep him so we can do what we need to do the very next day. Verse 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. A light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. God do things so decent in order. If that was me and you, and, and, and we realized we probably would have woke up and look around and see the guards sleeping, all the gates open, man, we'd have ran just without no clothes on. I'm just glad to get out of prison. That, that, that's me and you, we'd have like, we would have hauled tail. Oh my goodness, the guards are all sleeping, the doors and the gates are open. Man, he would have, we would have ran without sandals and clothes just as long as I get out of here. But God is just so good. He's so smooth. Like, no. He said, the angel said, no, put your sandals on, dude. Uh, put on your clothes. You don't have to go out there naked. It's going to be all right. We got you. Verse 9. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. So Peter was like, what is going on? Is this really happening? Huh. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leaded unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord had sent his angel. And had delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And from all expectation of the people of the Jews. He says, for what they all expected was going to be done to me. The angel of the Lord delivered me out of that. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary. The mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked 
at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened the gate for gladness. She opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood at the door. So Peter was at the door knocking. Old school knock, they didn't have doorbells. Old school, you're knocking at the door and saying, hello, it's Wayne. Hello, it's Wayne. That's old school knocking. That's when people had manners. Then we created doorbell. Nobody have to talk and introduce themselves. But that's what Peter was doing, knocking at the door and announcing himself. So whoever came to the door would know who it was. Okay, and so Peter was knocking and his voice, the damsel Rhoda came and heard his voice. And she was just like just so elated that Peter was outside the door because she knew they were in the house praying for Peter's deliverance. So she knew they're praying for Peter's deliverance. And man, look what happened. Peter is at the door. And she was so happy that she ran to go get the other folks that were in the house praying before opening the door for Peter. Verse 15, and they said unto her, thou art mad. When she went to go get the people that were prayer warriors, the people that was praying up a storm, the people who knew God, the people who was born again, she went to go get them, they was praying up a storm, and she went to go tell them, Peter's at the door, they're like, get out of here, girl, you crazy, we praying. Uh-huh. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is an angel. They still praying. I don't, that's not Peter, that's an angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. The expectancy of answered prayers. Do we expect our prayers to be answered? Because here are some people that they was living for God before me and you. They were prayer warriors. And they were praying up a storm. And for some reason, they didn't have the expectance, the expectation that Peter would be delivered because they prayed. Two weeks ago in our Bible study, we talked about prayers God hears. That's been our theme, prayers God hears, which were prayers according to God's will. So the first type of prayer we said God hears are prayers according to God's will. And so the first thing I'm going to tell you is sometimes we don't get our prayers answered because what we're praying God knows is not good for us. It might seem right in your eyes. It might look right in your eyes. For instance, mm, there are people that have done wrong. And when we sin, guess what? We have to pay for our sins. And sometimes people are paying for their sins and you're praying, God, uh, will, will, will you do something for them? Because they're going through and I, I pray your peace upon them. And God is saying, hold your peace, sister. I know you're praying because you love them and that's great. But they have to go through what they're going through and your prayers will not stop them from going through what they have to go through. 
And so you're praying that the person don't have to go through what they're going through, but yet and still they're going through it. And that's discouraging. But if you never stop to say, well, God, I don't know what your will is, why Tom is going through what he's going through. But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that while he's going through, Lord, if it's not your will that he gets delivered from the situation, but he has to go through, will you keep your hand upon him as he goes through? Will you keep him in perfect peace as he goes through? See, that's praying the will of God because I don't know what God is doing in somebody's life, but what I can always ask is that God hand be upon you. That God keep your mind while you're going through. That God will protect you while you're going through. I can pray that and that is the will of God. Yes. So sometimes we get discouraged because the prayers we're praying is not according to the will of God and God don't respond to that prayer and we get discouraged. So we talked about praying the will of God and we said that some prayers that are according to the will of God is I can pray, God, allow me to be the salt of the earth. God, allow me to be the light of the world. God, allow me to be a witness for you. God, I know it is your will that I am blessed by you. God, I know it is your will that I be saved and not perish. We can pray those prayers because they're according to the will of God. But unfortunately, we have lived in this world for so long and have become accustomed to the things that we like to experience. And so our prayers are skewed, Brother Luke, and we are praying prayers that God is saying, will you get off that? Will you get off that prayer? Uh Uh-huh. Will you get off that prayer? And so we need to pray prayers according to God's will. When we pray prayers according to God's will, God don't have a choice but to answer it. Just think about this. And, and, and we're fallible. Just think about this, but we're fallible. You ever made a promise to your kid or your kids? I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take it to the carnival. And so you tell them you're going to take them to the carnival. And the days are approaching for the carnival. And the money don't look good, but you told them you're going to take them to the carnival. And they come to you and says, Mom, you said. Okay, okay, how do you feel? Don't you feel like you will move heaven and earth to make sure you don't be a liar to your kids? That's me and you and we're fallible. Can you imagine the infallible God that can't make mistakes, that is not struggling to get money, that is not struggling to provide? Can you imagine him making a promise and ever reneging on it? No, he can never do that. So if I pray the prayers that he's already stood up or is standing behind, he's got to answer it. I'll never be discouraged then. Because I'm praying what he's already said he wanted to do. I'm praying. He says, you are the light of the world. He said, you're the salt of the earth. He says, and when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be my witness. He has already said that. He says that, Lord, bless them and keep them and let their your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them. You know what? God's already blessing us. He wants to bless us. 
He said it's not his will that any should perish, but that all be saved. When I pray those prayers, I have no doubt. So the issue is not God answering prayers. The issue is what kind of prayers are we praying? And when we pray those prayers and they don't work, we get frustrated. When sometimes God, what he's trying to do, sometimes God is taking us through. I don't know. Here's another one. Here's another one. Because I know this happened in my family. I don't know about your family. But I, I remember, <laughs> I remember one time when my little brother got in the streets and I just got a little ridiculous. Because sometimes, you know, you, you've had it up to here. And I just started praying. I says, God, whatever you need to do to get that boy's attention, let him know he needs to come to church and he needs to live for you. Whatever you got to do, God, get his attention. Man, I pray that prayer scarcely now. I'm afraid to pray that prayer now. Because I, because, because it's scary what the Lord can do. And so some, some days or weeks later after I prayed that prayer, he got beat up really bad. I mean, really bad. Bloody from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot. Got beat up really bad. Had to go to the hospital. And when he was in the hospital, he says, where's the Bible? I need to see my brother. Where's the Bible? I need to go to church. That's what he was saying. My point is, we don't know how God is going to reach people because God is the only one that knows how to reach people. He knows what's well, where, where they're hard in their heart. He knows how to, he knows their, their, the, the, the part of their heart that's sensitive that he can tap into to get their attention. We don't know that. And so that's why it's important and smart to always pray prayers according to the will of God. So we talked about that. We talked about the four essentials to pray in the will of God. And we talked about if you're going to pray the will of God, you, you can't pray it any kind of way. You have to pray according to, as you pray the will of God, you have to pray it with humility. If you're going to pray the will of God, you have to pray in faith. If you're going to pray the will of God, you have to pray in hope. If you're going to pray the will of God, you pray releasing blessings in people's life. We talked about that. Those are the will of God. That, that, when we say we pray the will of God, we, we pray the will of God. But there's a way to do that. And that's in humility and faith and hope and, and, and speaking blessings over them. So we talked about that two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about other kind of prayers that God hears. Other kind of prayers that God hears, okay? And we highlighted, we talked about the prayers that he hears as well as prayers according to his will. We also, we talked about prayers according to need. Prayers according to need. Prayers according to need. So when we pray prayers according to need, God will answer those prayers. And we highlighted last week, uh, Two, two people in the Bible that prayed prayers of need. We highlighted Saul before he became the Apostle Paul. We highlighted his life and we highlighted Cornelius' life that they were men that prayed because they had need. Both men had prayed prayers of need. Saul's prayer was that he would be able to see physically and spiritually. 
The prayer that Saul prayed, he prayed to, to be able to see physically because he was blinded on the road to Damascus. He was blinded and so he, he could not see anymore. So now he realized because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, who is, is, is God manifest in flesh, who is the head of the church. And he was persecuting the church. And so when he was on his way to Damascus, the Lord spoke to him out of heaven, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And then he said, Lord, who art thou? And the voice didn't say it is God Almighty. The voice says it is Jesus whom thou persecutest. Which means he's saying that you are persecuting my people. But when you persecute my people, you're persecuting me, Saul. You're persecuting me. I don't know if we get that. I don't know if we get that. Did we get that? Because if we get that, we wouldn't treat each other wrong. <laughs> Listen, God didn't send any of us here to, 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 to chastise his children. He says, I chasten my children. And so when we're getting chastised, we get it from God. We shouldn't get it from each other because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we get chastised by daddy, not by each other. He says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, and Saul said, who are thou? He says, it is Jesus. And he went on. So, so he got his experience that now he realized Jesus Christ is Lord and he is the head of the church. And so that's the encounter that he had. And in that encounter, he went blind and he was led away. And, and, and so he was blind, but, but he got a revelation now and realizing that what he was doing was wrong. And so now he needed to get himself together. And how did he was going to get himself together? He needed to see physically and he needed to see spiritually. That's what his deal was. Then Cornelius, the Bible talks about Cornelius. Cornelius was a good man. He gave alms. He helped people out and he prayed all the time. But Cornelius needed to know God a little bit more. He knew that there was a mighty God. He knew that this God was, 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 was sovereign. He, he, he knew that God was real. He prayed every day to God, but he really didn't know God. It's okay to pray every day and don't know God because guess what? You've got a need in your life if you're praying, but you don't really know. And so God answers prayers of need. So guess what? It's okay to pray and says, God, I've been walking with you for a little bit. I believe that I am. I've been going to church and I've been praying, but I don't know you. Can, can you reveal yourself to me? Can you allow me to understand who you are? Can you show me a little bit about who you are? I want to understand you. I want to know you. It's okay to pray that prayer. It's okay to tell God you want to know Him. You want to get closer to Him. You're praying, but you don't really understand Him. Can you show me who you are, my God? Because I know it is your will that I know who you are. Can you show me who you are? It is okay to pray that prayer. And I believe that's what Cornelius prayed. And as he prayed that prayer, God sent him Peter. And Peter went and explained to him who God is. When Peter went and explained to him who God is... 
He just was just enveloped and consumed by the power of God. And he began and he was baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because he spoke with tongues. And then he got baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, because he was just so consumed by who God is. And he got an understanding, a revelation and things just changed in his life. Can I tell you this? We. There's always more about God that we need to know. There's always more about God that we, there's always more to, 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 to know about God. We need to get closer to God. No matter where you are in God, there's more to God. And if we just stay where we are and feel like we're good, we're in trouble. And can I tell you this? Everybody, I don't care how long you've been living for God. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you have. When somebody comes to us and tell us what thus saith the Lord, we at least need to listen and not push them off. Because sometimes we don't know what God is trying to get through to us. Whenever somebody tell me something about God, I listen to it and, and use the Spirit of God and the Word of God as a strainer, as a sifter to know whether or not that's coming from God. But I'm going to listen. I'm not going to push you away. Get out of my face. I got God. Which brings me to the point of these people. I can say it like this. When I go and knock on people's door. Hello. It's Wayne from the local church in Hamilton here. Just want to tell you we're praying for you. We love you. And we'd like to invite you to our church. And if you don't have a church that you attend, we'd love to have you come and visit our church. And if there's anything that we can ever do, please call on us. Here is a prayer card for you. Here's our, you know, our church business card. If you ever want to come and you want to call us, all of our information is on. No, I'm good. I don't care what you tell me about. What kind of religion you got. That's not godly. Because when someone come to tell you something about God, you listen. Until you can determine it's, 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 it's false or error, you listen. Because you never know how God will approach you. You never know what God wants to say to you. And so when you just, I'm good. You're just telling God. I've learned over the years when I do that to not be hurt. Because I used to get hurt real bad. I used to feel so hurt when I knock on people. And like, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. And they kind of just brush you off, push you away. Go ahead. I'm good. No, we don't need that. That hurts. But I remember reading the scripture where God says, son, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. That's what kept me going over the years. That's why I keep going back to people's door, because I realize now when people say, I'm good, I go to church. They're rejecting God, telling me you go to church. You don't go to church. And a, and a, and a, and a Christian person walk up to your porch and says, hey, the Lord Jesus sent me here just to just encourage you. And you say, no, get off my porch and you go to church. Oh, that's all you're doing is going to church. Because you ain't got no God going on in your life, sister or brother. Because you, 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 you involve in church and somebody come up to your porch to, to just greet you in a godly way and want to encourage you. You listen. So we started in Acts chapter 12, verse 1. 
and it's showing us the rapid growth of the church in Jerusalem. Even before we got to uh, the, chapter 12, the, the church started growing and, 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 and God was doing great things in the church. But can I tell you this? Godly progress often brings persecution. We got to make up our mind to do this thing right. Because, because we want the best for us and we want to live for God, right? But when God begins to favor you and bless you, it's going to cause persecution. People will start talking against you. People will start thinking you're doing something wrong. People will start coming against you. And it's all because of God's favor. God's blessing. All of a sudden, there is, you know, you know what's funny about it? Here's the funny one. Before I got saved, and this didn't happen in my house because my mom got saved before me, but I know that happened, it happened with other people and it happens with your friends. So here's the story. Before you get saved, I, I can't even remember any nights that we didn't go out. We was out every night. I like to mess, I mess around and says, um, I knew all the nights. Sunday's, Sunday night was ladies night. Saturday night, just, just, just everybody just go crazy Saturday night. I go to two parties on Saturday nights. I go to American party and Jamaican party on Saturday because the Jamaican party never gets started till about two. So I go to American party from about 11 to about one and then hit the Jamaican party, which was an hour away in Philadelphia till from two to six. So Saturdays I do two parties. Friday night, you just still got to do something, got to hit somewhere. Thursday night was, uh, something else going on. Maybe oldies night on, they might flip that. Sometimes, some places Thursday night is oldies and, and Sunday, you know, could be old. It depends. But I knew all the nights. And even Monday night when I'm supposed to be home, I go sit at the bar and watch a football game while I'm getting it in. Always had something going. Always running. And then I get saved and I'm going to church a lot and people start saying, man, you go to church a lot. Man, now that I'm here, that, that, I'm angry now about back then when people say, man, you go to church a lot, don't you? When, when before I started church, every night I was out. Every night I was getting my drink on and getting my party on, whatever they want to call it. Every night I had something going and I get to go to church and now you got a problem. Man, we are so messed up. But it comes back to what I'm saying. Godly progress, godly blessings brings about persecution. And we need to just man up and woman up sometimes and just realize those things will happen to us, but it's not going to cause me to be afraid from doing God's will so God can bless me. Please, not backing up. What is your alternative anyway? Stop living for God? King, uh, King Herod was, King Herod the first was the grandson of Herod the Great, who was responsible for the death of John the Baptist. So that dude was no joke. He was planning to destroy Peter. He was planning to kill him. He had already killed James, but he wasn't playing. Somebody said, but prayer. Prayer was made by the church. The church was apprised of Peter's imprisonment and danger and, and, and they had no other resource. How was they going to get Peter out of the hand and the prison out of, get him out of prison and, and out of Herod's grasp? He was done. He wasn't going nowhere. Soldiers everywhere. It, it is said that while Peter was chained up, while he was in the prison, there was two guards in the prison with him. And Peter's right hand was chained to one of the guard. 
and Peter's left hand was chained to one of the guards. So not only was he in the prison and he was far back in the prison, but hands was chained to prison guards. And then that's in his little spot. That's not talking about he needed to get out of there and guards are at that door. It, it was, he was done. He had no way to get it, get out of there. But I'm here to tell you, this is not just a Bible story. This really happened. This really happened. We're not just reading a nice Bible story. This really happened. God really sent his angel to deliver Peter out of the situation that he was in. Is there anything too hard for God? Because that right there was, in mine or yours opinion, he was done. He was toast. There's no way he could have got out of that. He was done. He was worse off than Jesus, to be honest, when you think about it. Because when they came to the garden, they arrested Jesus and had a whole lot of soldiers around him. But I don't remember reading that Jesus was in a prison like this. Okay. So this dude was in trouble. But they kept praying. They knew he was in trouble. And they knew there was no other resource. None of them could have went in and said, Herod, I got some money. Can you let him go? There was no bail money. No, it wasn't no bail money. You know, once in a while, there's always somebody, you know, once in a while, you'll get somebody that got a little bit of loot. They say, let's go bail him out. Let's let the church put some money together and go bail him out. You know, the pastor didn't get up and say, let's take an offering for Brother Peter because we need to go bail him out. He had no way out. He was done. Toast. Yeah. And so he knew his fate. He was done. But the Bible says, in all of that, chain like this to two men in the little area all the way in the prison. I thought this was kind of funny. Peter was asleep. You tell me, can you be asleep? And then you know the next day you were done. Right? So the night before that day, Peter was sleeping. You know, you want me to tell you how you can sleep in that kind of situation? To me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I can't wait till all of us Christians get to the place where we're comfortable knowing it's better to leave this world and be with Christ than to be in this world. The day we hold on to that as truth, the day we grab a hold on to that as truth, like I will rather be with Christ in heaven than be here. The day we really grasp that is the day everything changes in our life. Because we won't strive for the things that we strive for. We won't compromise. And we won't allow little things to get into our way of living for Christ. We won't make excuses. Because we'll be like, I'm, I can't lie to you. I, I don't understand how I'm 48 years old. This year I'll be 49 years old. And I don't understand at this early age I'm thinking like that. Like, listen man, I'm better off being with Christ. Because this world is a mess right now and I don't get anything from it. For me personally, I've lived enough in this world to have done everything I wanted in this world and this world can't offer me nothing else. So really and truly, I'm only here to help the Lord with his plan. I don't know about you. I'm only in this world to say, God, whatever you're doing, I want to help you. Whatever you're accomplishing in this world, here I am. Use me, Lord, because this world don't have nothing to offer me. I don't know if you got something to offer you. Don't have nothing to offer me. I don't care nothing about this world. It has nothing. Nothing. The best thing I look forward to in this world is going on a vacation. 
And heaven will be a whole lot better than the vacation spot that I go to. So tell me why I need to worry about this world. Why I need to chase all the things that's going on in this world. I don't need to chase the things of this world. Because this world don't have nothing to offer me. Nothing. When we get a hold of that and realize, man, I'd rather be with Christ every day of the, be with Christ every day of the week in heaven. We'll be alright. Usually you get older people that say that. Well, I'm 48 and I'm saying that. So that's my point of telling you my age is to tell you at this age I shouldn't be saying that. I should be still wanting to enjoy this world. No, I care less about this world. This world don't have nothing to offer me. Uh huh. And so he was there sleeping, knowing what was about to happen to him. But he didn't care nothing about this world. He did the will of God. And when you live doing the will of God, that's all that matters to you. You, When you grab a hold of Jesus, you want to know I'm living my life to please him. And once you're living your life to please him, you realize I'm good. Nothing else to do in this world. Listen, while Peter was in that jail, first of all, understand this. If somehow Peter escaped, all of the soldiers were going to die. Herod was going to kill all of them because there's no way he should escape. And they realize that they can't sleep on the job. You can't sleep on when you're a soldier like that. You can't sleep. So if you can't sleep and Peter, uh, Peter is in chains, how else can he escape? So if he escaped, it must be because you guys conspired and, and get him to escape. So you're all dying. So they all knew they would die if he escaped. <laughs> so Peter was tapped on the side by the angel. While he was asleep, Peter, yeah, get up. And so Peter got up quickly. So just think about this. I don't know about you. I know about my wife. <laughs> I know about my wife and my daughter. When you wake them up, they grog him. What's going on? Me and my son just jump up and we like, <laughs> we was up all night long. <laughs> We got issues. Me and Jordan just get up and it's like, all right, let's go. We're ready to go. Oh, I just got to put my sweatpants on. Yeah, sure, I'm ready. He do that. I do that. We just go. My wife and my daughter, they get up. They they try to act like they are right, but they groggy. So I don't know if Peter was groggy when the angel, Pete, come on, man, let's go. I don't know if Peter was like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? And he was still trying to shake himself to realize what was going on. But angel told Peter, get dressed, let's go, we get ready to roll. And so as the angel came and told him that and he put on all of his stuff, he was still kind of dazed, but he was still doing it. You know you can get dressed because you know, you know how to get dressed. So Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He still thought it was like, man, what am, what's going on? He thought he was seeing a vision like he had seen early in Acts chapter 10 when that sheet came out of heaven. And he thought he was seeing that vision. He thought it was a vision. He didn't realize what was going on. And so they passed the first and the second guards and, and came to the iron gate that was leading out to the city. And the iron gate just opened by itself. And I know Peter was like, what in the world? How does big old iron gate just, just start opening by itself? And they walked out of the yard and out of the prison. And now they was in the city. And while they were in the city, after a while, the angel departed from Peter and left Peter alone. Huh. 
Can I tell you this? When we pray and the Lord begin to answer our prayers according to his will, the prayers of need, the prayers uh, of deliverance, we need to trust the process. Uh huh. You pray, and if you ask, if you have an expectation that God is answering the prayer, then trust the process. All of a sudden, you prayed, and stuff's starting to happen, and all of a sudden, you're trying to control. Hold on, what am I? Well, you're trying to control. I thought you prayed. And so if you pray to the almighty, to the sovereign God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, if we pray to him and things start to move, the only thing we can say is, all right, God, I prayed. I'm going to trust the process that you are in process now of doing what I prayed about. But all of a sudden, things are happening, and because we're uncomfortable and it's not working the way we think it should work, we're starting to try to, whoa, and try to control something. Uh-huh. We can't do that. We got to know that God answers prayers. And when he answers your prayer, just trust the process. Trust the process. When you have an, expecta- an expectation of, of God answering the, pro- the, the prayers that you're praying, you have to trust the process. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and say, God, I trust you. Do you expect an answer to your prayers or you just pray because it's just what you should do? We can't do that because praying and expecting an answer is praying by faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you want to know what's one of the other problems when you're praying is you're praying, but you're just saying words and you didn't pray with expectation that God is going to answer your prayers, which means you prayed a prayer faithless. Why are you going to get an answer with no faith in it? Oh, I I pray God's will. Yeah, without faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have to pray prayers with faith. We have to pray prayers knowing that God will answer them. Once Peter realized that he was not dreaming, he went directly to the house where they were praying, where they was having a prayer meeting. Peter got to the house and they were still praying. God can answer your prayers even before you are through Praying. Uh-huh. You there on your knees or laying down or sitting down or standing praying and God can answer that prayer before you're through praying. However, when the answer to your prayer arrive, don't be in disbelief. The Bible says they were amazed. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and the servant girl, Rhoda, came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was excited, so she ran back and told a whole group of people that were praying, Peter's at the door. They told her she was out of her mind. 
Now, you, you explain to me what happened. They're, the Bible says they're praying fervently. They're praying without ceasing. And they're praying, calling upon the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden, they, the, 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 the servant girl said, Hey, guess what? Peter's at the door. Why, why did they think she was mad? God give us his word so we can learn from it. And he give us good examples and bad examples so we can learn from it. And this was a bad example that we need to learn from. And the bad example is this. How are you praying and not understanding that I'm answering your prayers, that I will answer your prayers? Well, how are you praying and not that? And I believe that we're praying prayers without faith and we're not getting answers. And God wants us to begin to pray prayers of faith. God wants us to pray prayers of faith. When you begin to pray to God, you need to pray with faith. You need to pray with unction knowing that I'm praying this because God is going to grant me an answer to what I'm asking. We need to pray with faith and not just say words. Time to stop saying words. It's time to pray prayers that have meaning to it. Prayers that you know that God is going to answer it. I'm not just speaking words. I'm not just praying vain repetition. But I'm praying prayers according to God's will. We talked about last week. The Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee, meaning he was religious. And, and Pharisees pray. But what they pray is, God, I thank God that you call me to be whatever they call themselves. God, I thank you because I know your word and I'm able to give tithes and I'm able to wear my nice robe and people know that I'm yours. God, I thank you. In all those years, Paul was a Pharisee. God never responded to any of his prayers. And they said the Pharisees could pray up to nine hours a day. They prayed three times a day, and every time they prayed, they prayed for three hours. One hour of prayer, one hour of meditation before, and one hour of meditation after. Now, they have, they have, there's something good in that, because we know who we're praying to. And it's good to meditate before you pray, then pray, then meditate after. When you meditate before you pray, you're preparing your mind and you're getting ready to pray in faith. Then you go ahead and pray. When you're done praying and you take some time out, you're saying, God, will you send the answer? Because I'm here listening. And we oftentimes pray and don't give God an opportunity to speak to us. We just say what we want to say and we just keep it moving. And God is saying, are you going to let me talk now or are you just going to talk and keep moving? We got to pray prayers of faith. And so Rhoda told them Peter's at the door and they thought she was mad. I don't know what was going through their mind. They were just in there praying. Sometimes, you know, I believe they, they just might have just been caught up in their own stuff. You know, sometimes we get caught up, we just praying and that's, you know, we're just doing it for our good feeling, our good pleasure. I'm praying. I'm praying up a storm. Okay, go ahead and pray up a storm. Because praying up a storm, if you pray up a storm with no faith, if you pray up a storm and not pray God's will, if you pray up a storm and don't pray according to need, if you pray up a storm and just say vain, repetitious words, that's all you're doing. Ain't nothing happening. We need to start praying for real. 
We need to pray God's will. We need to pray about needs. We need to pray for God to deliver people. That's what God is all about. We need to become one with Him. And when we come, become one with Him, we, be, we be, begin to pray the prayers that He prayed when He walked this earth. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. And so they finally came to the door and heard Peter's voice. And they opened the door. And they realized it was Peter. And right away, when they saw it was Peter, they didn't even embrace it at that time. They said, is it an angel? Is it Peter's angel? (laughs) Oh, boy, help us. But Peter continued knocking. They finally came out and they finally responded. And the Bible said they were astonished. They were astonished. Let us not be astonished when God answers our prayers. We shouldn't be astonished if we pray, truly pray in faith. We shouldn't be amazed when we pray and God answers our prayers. Being astonished and being amazed is almost like saying that I didn't believe he would, but I just took a shot at it. Prayer is not me just taking a shot at it. Let me throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. That's not prayer. Prayer is praying God's will that you know He will answer to. Let us pray prayers of faith. Prayers according to His will. God promised to answer our prayers according to His will. Our prayers of need and our prayers of deliverance. So if we will pray prayers according to His will, if we will pray prayers according to need, if we will pray prayers according to deliverance, And let me say this when I say prayers according to deliverance. There are some people that just live their life recklessly and carelessly and just get themselves in dangerous situations all the time. They don't care about anything. They just live their life the way they want, recklessly and carelessly. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people that's trying to live for God and find themselves in a tight spot, a a dangerous situation. We pray for them for deliverance. And I'm not telling you not to pray for the ones that's reckless. And find themselves in a bad situation. You can pray for them. For deliverance. I just don't know what's going to happen. But the ones that. Got apprehended. Because the devil is working against them. And they're trying to live for God. Oh I'm sure what will happen to them. Because it's not God's will. That they stay apprehended by the devil. But there are many people that. They have many chances. They've been given plenty of chance to, 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 to live for God, to do right. And the Bible says everybody's given a measure of grace. And what that means is none of us know when our time comes where God says, okay, I'm moving on. Oh, it happens. Why do you think people die without being saved? You ever stop and think about that? How, how does that process work? How does the process work where people die and they never got saved? Grace ran out. God protected them a longer time than they were supposed to, that they could have imagined. All of me and you in here, most of us can say there was a situation in our life. And even if you don't know it, I'm telling you, there was a situation in your life that you should have been dead. I'm just saying. But somehow we don't want to accept when people die that their grace ran out. Because God can save you from anything. 
But if God's been trying to reach you and you've been rejecting him, then what else can he do? So now when you put yourself in a bad situation, his hand is not upon you. And now the devil have total control over your life if God's hand is not, not upon you. But while you're experiencing grace, God's hand is upon you. And no matter what the devil want to do to you, God says, you can't. This is the bottom line. That's, that's grace right there that we don't understand. God's hand being upon someone. And no matter how much the devil want to come, God said, no, you can't. But God also knows people's heart and he knows who rejects them and who will continue to reject them. And therefore, they reject him enough. After a while, he takes his hand off them and they're in a bad predicament. Second Chronicles, and I'm closing. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray... And seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways. Can I say this? We be praying and still doing wrong. And that don't work. Let's go back to the scripture here. In case you want to be upset with me saying, well, preacher, hold on. You know, you know, we always got to justify when we've been doing something that we hope was working. And, you know, we always adjust. But if my people... Or called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. You can't pray if you're not humble. And seek my face. God says, I just don't want you to pray, but I want you to seek after me. Come, I want you to seek to know me. And turn from their wicked ways. Can I give you a little secret? If you're praying for God to do something, but you're still doing wrong, God is not listening. Yes? So, what do you mean by that? Okay. God, I want you to bless and keep me. I want you to let your face shine upon me and be gracious unto me. But I just keep lying. I just keep lying. Well, we will not see the blessings of God and we will not experience the, the what did I say, the favor of God and the honor of God because we just keep on lying. You can't live foul but pray that God will do something and God does it. It doesn't work that way. He says this, if you do all of what he told you, then will I hear from heaven. He says he will hear and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So he responds when we pray the prayers of faith and we don't do wrong while we're praying those prayers. He said, I will hear, I will hear, I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So God does answer prayers. But he wants us to be humble. He wants us to pray the prayers of faith. He wants us to seek him. He needs us to turn from our wicked ways, from all the ill and evil that we're doing. We have to turn from them, he says, and I will hear. God does answer prayers. 
And if we want God to answer our prayers, we have to start praying prayers according to God's will. We have to start praying prayers according to need of ours and need for others. We have to start praying prayers of deliverance. If we will start praying those kind of prayers, we will see the percentage of God answering our prayer. The percent, we will see that increase. And we won't get discouraged. And we won't want to walk away from God. And we won't want to stop coming to church because we feel like it's just not working. When we pray prayers according to God's will, prayers of need and prayers of deliverance, God will hear us and answer us. We just need to have an expectancy that he will answer. And when he answers, let us celebrate and praise and give thanksgiving and not be in amazement. Our proper response when God answers prayers is to praise him, to magnify him, to just be thankful to him because he has answered the prayers. But we knew it, but we need to just give him the praise. Having the expectancy of an answer from him is a demonstration of your faith. Will you stand tonight? We must know that God answers prayers. We can't keep praying and getting frustrated within ourselves, and and just and just it's showing in our action by how we attend church. It's showing in our action by how we treat people. It's showing in our action whether we are a witness or not for Christ. It shows up in our action what we think about where we are in Christ, and we don't even understand it. Listen. I can't tell you, I, 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 I pray this is not just me, but I pray it's many of you that really are seeking God. I don't know, I wake up every day and I, and, and sometimes I get frustrated with myself and, and I talk to God, I say, God, I need more. I need to be more involved with you. I need to be more involved with what you're doing. I need to know you in a more intimate way. I need to get closer to you. I need to understand how you do some things. I want to be one with you. I talk to God all the time about things. Because I'm not just satisfied with holding on. I'm not just satisfied with going through the routine. I need I, I need to experience God in a in, in a way where it's not a routine thing. But it's a lifestyle thing. It's not a routine. It's not a religious thing. I I said the other day when I was down at the workhouse teaching, I says, listen, we don't realize that we can become so religious and think that we're just, we're, we're, we're godly, but we're just really religious. We're 